Hey, hi, hello, what's up, gang? The man, I never know how to go into these, and the I just do it again and again with uh, halting, hemming, and hawing. Hey, it's uh, it's Mishka Shabali. You know why why you're here, why I'm here, what we do here. Um, the when you are hearing this, I will be uh, one day closer to my birthday. It's my birthday on uh, Friday, February 17th. This will probably drop on the 16th. Um, I feel real weird about it. It's uh, my 46th birthday, which is, that's not anything. The um, That's just a cry for help. The uh, it's just one closer to the end. That's all it is. It's there's no there's nothing to. It's not like the cat litter anniversary or anything like that. Um, where they celebrate your wow, you finally made it to forty six. That perfect number. No, the um, I mean forty forty five is a sinister age because that's uh, uh Donald Trump was uh, number forty four, but Joe Biden is forty six, and that just makes me feel like a a doddering old man. The yeah. Um, I have been talking about uh, wrapping this up, finishing the podcast that I feel like a, sort of a sense of completion that this is around the, the time of year uh, when I started doing this and uh, I felt the need to do it because I was losing my fucking mind and I feel um I mean, I don't feel good. Everything hurts all the time. Everything hurts all the time. Uh, but my brain is back. I feel uh, I feel so much better mentally and emotionally um, than I did this time last year. Like 180 degrees different. I feel mostly good. Um, and so it, that seemed like a good point to sort of wrap things up here. Um, also, doing stuff is a hassle. Uh, inertia always wins. Um, but I, I've been feeling like I've just sort of been throwing these, uh, messages in a bottle off into the ether. Um, and then I, I heard a couple, I heard a couple things back. Um, I heard from, uh, Matt Alano Martin, uh, a conversation I really enjoyed. I, I'll probably have Matt back like at least once a year, if not more. Um, the really love talking to that guy, great comic, uh, great artist and uh and great survivor like he has those skills um and he just said you can just not stop you can just keep doing it the it's you know it's valuable to you and it's fun and some people are listening um and um that uh matt i'm sorry to say that didn't really hit home for me the it was it was nice to hear but um I did get a message that uh, sort of tipped me over the edge um, that made me feel like I can't wrap it up yet. I'm going to share some of that stuff with you guys here. Uh, I am writing this from the parking lot of the Home Depot in Lafayette, Louisiana on Super Bowl Sunday. Well, that's a desperate place to be. Um, You've got my attention. Uh, I just started listening to the new podcast on my way over here, and I really needed to just stop and say something, which is I don't think you should quit the podcast. If you really feel like it's not financially viable and no one's listening, I would understand, but there's something that you said that really struck me. You said you started it because you were in a bad spot and now you feel better, so you don't think you need to do it anymore. I'm also a recovered alcoholic, but I feel like this strategy has been a terrible one that I've employed multiple times in my life. If something is making you feel better, 
you should keep doing it, not quit doing it. Uh, Also, I'm a creative person. I used to live in blah, 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 but ended up teaching blah, blah, blah at the university here. And I really appreciate the conversations that you have with all kinds of creative people about process and making a life of creativity, even if you're not necessarily making a living with your art. I only listened so far to the part where you're touching on the fact that you mostly talk to men and have a lot of conversations about issues that are more masculine in nature, but I still find it super helpful and really interesting to hear these conversations and perspective. Mostly, I talk to other women my age, and I'm rarely privy to men's discussions without women in the room. Anyway, I really appreciate what you do, and I hope you keep doing it. I think that you are cultivating a real skill in crafting these discussions, and if you quit now, you'll never see where it could go. Um, the There's a lot there that sort of uh, uh, rang like a tiny little bell in my crusty old heart. Um, the... I hate how it ends. You'll never see where it could go. Uh, I, lady, I'm 46. The <laughs> it goes right to a darkened corner of the junkyard. That's where it goes. The um, I'm not just starting out, but um, but also where was Marin when he started? Uh, he was definitely like down the well, and uh, and he was an old fuck too. So. Um, you know, as I just said to a friend today, uh, you are the old, you are the youngest now that you will ever be. So if I'm just starting out, I'm just starting out. Um, the uh, who cares if it's financially viable? Uh, this is something that I enjoy. Not everything has to make money. Um, the um, quitting doing something because it's done its job that uh, that re- resonated with me the all my friends who are on uh, brain meds they're like oh yeah the meds were working so I stopped taking them <laughs> and it's like the oh yeah the plane's flying great so let's turn off the engines the um, she's right that if this is working then I should keep doing it um, I do and, and in my mind I when I say I'm going to quit the podcast, what I mean, I, I think, is I wish more people were listening. I do feel proud of what I do here. Um, I just wish, wish it was reaching more people. That's all. Um, and uh, it. Um, one of the things she said, too, is that, and I, I felt like this was a shortcoming with the podcast, is that I'm a straight white bro, and most of my guests have been straight white bros. And the, I feel in some ways that it's sort of, you know, been lacking in diversity. Uh, what my friend Hillary in Memphis, who won't listen to this, uh, one of the things she said to me is that why would I listen to a podcast where it's like two straight white guys talking? That's all I fucking hear all the time anyway. Um, and I get that. That makes sense to me. But the, I think what we're trying to do here. Um, you know, particularly my conversations with Lou and Ryan and the, um, my friend Kyle, we're trying to have private conversations in public, uh, trying to say the things that people don't necessarily say out loud or say in public and then just put it out there in the universe and hopefully people hear it and it's helpful. Um, and I don't know, man, it makes me feel real good that, um, one woman, is listening to this and finding um, helpful stuff in the way that um, in sort of being able to eavesdrop or overhear 
how guys talk to each other, what we talk about, um, what our concerns are, all that stuff. The, uh, we're not always cartoons, uh, that we usually are. Um, what else? Oh, my birthday. The, my birthday is on the 17th. I'm turning 46. It sucks. There's one thing I want for my birthday. If you're rich, if you have disposable income, if you want to buy a thing and make me happy, the one thing that I want that I don't have, I want to check my fucking dog's DNA. I know it's like peak white people shit to do something like that, but I'm real curious what kind of dog my dog is. People always ask me. I'm not going to buy it for myself because that's ridiculous. If you have an extra hundred bucks laying around and you want to buy it for me, please buy it for me. That it's the only way it's going to happen. Um, the such a weird thing to solicit birthday presents. Um, also on my birthday, February 17th, I'll be performing at all one house, uh, in downtown Phoenix, my friend, Matt Micheletti. It's a, uh, erotic poetry and music night, uh, in honor of, uh, Valentine's day, which, uh, just passed. And, um, Man, they must have been uh, scraping the bottom of the barrel to get me because I don't know that there's much. Uh, I'm more neurotic than erotic or sort of erotic post-rotic, the, um, more rot than eros. Um, but, uh, but I'll be playing a couple songs, and I'm trying to, uh, trying to drag Critical Miss down with me and get her to, uh, to do a, a song with me or two. Uh, February 18th, big show at my house, my big uh, birthday blowout. Um, my friends, uh, Full Metal Mel, uh, everybody's uh, most adorable neighborhood stoner rock band. Uh, they'll be kicking off at 7, doing a short acoustic set. Uh, my friend Ron Babcock will be coming out from L.A. Uh, to do the show, and he and I will have to podcast at some point. Uh, Shauna Christmas, who you've heard here, uh, will be performing. And also my friend Ryan McKee, who was just on the most recent podcast um he is now my roommate um i'm so sorry buddy the he'll be living in the house in my backyard and this will be his uh his first show back in phoenix so please come out uh 1902 west palm lane phoenix arizona my dog will be here my cat will be here my mom will be here it'll be fun just come out for my birthday um what else? Oh, this uh, this next episode, the uh, you know, of course, with a, an intro about uh, men talking to men, uh, there's less men on this next podcast. My Auntie Anita, uh, my mother's oldest uh, sister, number one of 17 children, uh, she came out to visit recently, uh, sort of in the, as my mom was recovering from her surgery. And God, I love Anita so much. She's just... The, she's been a staple of my childhood, my life, um, and seeing her and my mom together just warmed my fucking heart again and again and again, having her out here and seeing the way that the two of them interact together. They, um, you know, they're sisters, obviously, but they're also buddies. You know, they were just sort of like giggling and laughing and sharing a joke the entire time. Um, Anita is from a very small town. Uh, she's, um, I mean, she was, she and my mother were both b- born in Maqua, Saskatchewan, uh, just a, a pin on the map. Uh, she lives in Shell Lake, Saskatchewan now. And I, she is the mayor of Shell Lake. I didn't even, the, I knew that she had been, I didn't realize she was still, uh, the mayor, but, um, 
I don't know how else to introduce her. She's played a huge role in my life. I didn't re- sort of really realize this until I sat down to talk to her. But um, having Anita as as my aunt, having having her love me from the day that I was born, having her uh, care about me and, and sort of recognize my worth even when I was a child, and having her be my buddy my whole life um, has really contributed so much to who I am. Um, so this is, uh, this is sort of a weird podcast. This is the first one I've done where it's three people. It was me, my mom and my, my auntie Anita. And we just sort of sat down to chat about her life and our lives together and sort of just about how much we love each other. Um, so yeah, I'm proud of this one. It was, uh, it, it was weird going into it, but I'm so glad I, I got them in here for it. So uh, please enjoy this podcast with my mom and uh, her older sister, Anita Wires, the mayor of Shell Lake, Saskatchewan. Mr. Shabali is catching up with friends who are arguably more talented than him. All right, we're just, we're gonna go for it. The um, did my mom tell you what to expect at no, all really? with this? No. Or the, have you ever listened to a podcast? Mm, no, I can't. Not of <laughs> yours. No, not that many either the, in my life. That's one of the things that I, I'm always sort of aware of doing this. Is I'm like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to give away any of my secrets or any sort of family secrets. And then I'm like, well, nobody's listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Recorded for posterity. Yeah, yeah. The, I can. You know, I can. I found that I can speak pretty freely. The, um, we're just gonna. We're just going to talk. We're just going to chat. We're going to catch up. I want to the. I want to talk about some of the stories that we have uh, just from our life together, you and I. I want to talk a little bit about. Um, I don't know when the, the stories that you and my mom have together because seeing you sitting there on the, um, you know, taking that picture yeah. when you're sitting on the deck there and posting it, I, was, I looked at it, and the everybody was just sort of like oh my god the because i mean look at you you're you're crossing your hands the same way you're crossing your legs the same way you both throw your heads back to laugh the same way well she's my influencer that's the modern term right yeah yeah she was Um, when i was born she was already there so she was like my coach you know that's put me in coach that's one of the things that um when I try and write, I try and look at a familiar thing and then just write about it as if I was an alien. And, you know, I wasn't saying like, oh, the, um, my mother or something like that. But that's how we talk about our family is, you know, is to, when you're saying mother or father, whatever you're saying, I've known them my whole life. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. they were always there. Mm -hmm, And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that I'm always aware of when I see you guys hanging out together (laughs) is the, there's definitely a partner in crime sort of vibe. Just a little. <laughs> <laughs> the of like uh, we'll take care of the two this we'll take care of this between the two of us. Uh, mom doesn't need to find out or nobody else needs to find out. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> true. We had yeah. a few of those. I think so. <laughs> the, in the berry patch in Macqua. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well the the first thing I want to get into, uh, our most important subject, is the what was the story that you were alluding to the other day with uh, with Janet? 
Well, with the rabbit turds. <laughs> <laughs> Anita, tell me the story. Well, you know, uh, as I recall it, we we used to play house behind the farmhouse, the log house that my mom and dad lived in. And we used to go outside behind and we had little a little cupboard on the outside of the house mm-hmm. and we used to put whatever in there but pine mostly cones, like mostly. pine cones or <laughs> sticks or rocks or whatever it was mostly imaginary and we you know we played house and we and then across from there was a willow bluff and um the rabbits used to have little trails in there and rabbits do what rabbits do <laughs> and I don't know who was who's in the I, I'm who was sure the instigator was the influencer. <laughs> <laughs> but we picked up these little brown rabbit turds and we told our sister Janet, who was like number three, oh look at the candies. You want to have some? And I think she. I I think I she think did. she tried one. Yeah, and then she kind of spit it out. But yeah, <laughs> we always. You know, I don't know if, if she thought we were picking on her. Maybe as an adult, she thinks we were picking on her, but I don't think we were. It was just a trick, you know, yeah, if we can get her to trick. eat it. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many things about this story that I want to like to pick apart. You know, one is that uh, the, you know, not to sort of be uh, about, oh, kids these days, but people are freaking out about, oh, is it the PlayStation 5 or the PlayStation 4? And the... For the toys that you guys had in the forties, the, the early fifties, mm-hmm. yeah, were yeah. rocks and sticks and pine cones yes, and rabbit and turds. We also had a. I had a wooden doll. Okay. And we have pictures of that. A wooden doll, and we had a black doll. Okay. Where did the black doll come from in nineteen? Topsy turvy, was it? I don't know. Oh, I'm not sure either. But at one point, we did have a topsy turvy. Yeah. yeah. You know what that is? The, the no. doll is split at the waist and, and joined with a nice big skirt. So if you hold it upright one way, it's a fair-skinned, blonde-haired, embroidered face okay. and body. And then you turn it the other way, and it was a black, uh, curly-haired uh, doll. Wow. The, uh, it's to- yeah. topsy-turvy. I'll, I'll have to look that up. The, mm-hmm. That's a toy that sort of I've never encountered before. Yeah. 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 The... Um, and when you when you guys were telling this story, I immediately flashed back to I remember like feeding shampoo to Tashina <laughs> and telling her that it was like maple syrup or oh. something like that. Oh. And it's the, in the jeans. And then <laughs> um and one day I gave her uh, soy sauce and I told her it was a, it was a Coke. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, I think I put ice cubes in a glass mm. thing of soy sauce. This was in, back in Canada. So I was. Well, no the... wonder she wasn't <laughs> sure if she wanted to be your sister. I know, I know. <laughs> and then just now when you were telling the story, it reminded me of a story. I hope I get it right. That when I was deer hunting with my friend Lou in Ohio, he was telling me a story of when he was a kid um, going hunting with uh, with his dad and his dad's friends or whatever. The, and um, and it's the opposite thing that, uh, you know, Lou was a little bit ahead of his dad's friend. And his dad's friend said, Lou, look, the, here I found fresh deer sign. Mm-hmm. And called Lou back to uh, 
pile of deer poop. And Lou was like, oh. And um, the guy said, yeah, it's fresh. And reached out and grabbed a handful <laughs> and threw them in his mouth. <laughs> and chewed them up and swallowed them. And Lou just went like, oh. And then the guy reached in his pocket and pulled out a thing of raisinettes. <laughs> it was, was chocolate-covered raisins. So it's the opposite story yeah. of the, but the same. Yeah. The, same trick. Yeah. Um, what's, one of the things that is, you know, it's funny to sort of try and interview you because I've known you my whole mm-hmm. life. I don't remember ever meeting you. And the... Um, there's my my personal experience of the I don't know I have so many memories of like Shell Lake and uh, being in the front door and there was a mud swallow's nest mm-hmm. that you wanted to show me and they pooped on my shirt <laughs> and the um, and all the dirty jokes that you told me when I was a kid <laughs> the and then as a writer um, to be the first of seventeen children I think we always imagine the oldest to be. Um, a caretaker, another parent. And my whole life, at every turn in my life, you've always been the trickster. <laughs> you're always the... Like, the jokester. Yeah, the you're jokester. always the one who's like, well, let's switch these. <laughs> the, um, what's, what's your early, earliest memory from Maqua? Well, I, I, my very first memory, and I'm not even sure anymore if it, if it really happened, but I've, I've created it as a memory. It was when my dad built an addition on to the original log house, and we hadn't yet moved into it, in my memory. And um, I went with him and my Aunt Tony, and he was showing them what he was doing, and he's building this big addition. And um, there was only a little cut hole into that new addition. Mm-hmm. The, the rest was like three walls, but there was this little two-by-two two hole, and I remember going into through that hole to mm-hmm. see this. Oh, it was huge in my mind, you know, this addition. And so I don't know how old I might have been. Um, Was that the kitchen? Yeah. 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 Okay. Three, so, four. So that wasn't the, the lean-to? No, that no, came No, that later. was on the homestead. Okay. The, ho- the original, like, where dad and mom started out. Uh-huh. In the log house. Yeah, in the log house. I, that, I feel like I've seen pictures of this. Yeah, the, you probably the, have. Like we drove yeah. by it yeah. or something like that. Yeah, I've seen pictures yeah. of that one. And then I, you know, I have lots of memories of uh, being on uh, that homestead farm, mm-hmm. uh, picking well, strawberries. She, she hasn't mentioned it, but I'm sure that one of her best memories was when mom brought home a new baby sister. Well, yeah. that was my well, next see, like, question. I don't is... remember it. <laughs> well, I didn't make that much of an impression. <laughs> the, what's your What's your earliest memory of my mom? Mm. I don't know. Just just playing and picking strawberries, that picking sort of thing, like yeah. when we were just like five years old or mm-hmm. six years old. Out in the pasture. Yeah. 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 The, did, did, were you guys in the same year at school? Like, did they hold Anita back so you guys could go together? No. Or you went first? She was, 
three years mm-hmm. younger than me. So, well, almost three. Mm-hmm. And so I started school in a country, one room country school called Blueberry. And uh, I did grade one and two in the first year because uh, the teacher had from grades one to eight and it was simpler to put, you know, have two grade two students than right. a grade one and a grade two. So that's, I did both grades in one year. And then in grade three is when um, mom and dad moved to the town of Maqua. The sprawling urban yeah. metropolis yeah. of Maqua. Population of 100 if you counted yeah. the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, I think I was, uh, was I eight years old then? No, I must have been older than that. No, that would be about right. All right. If you went into third yeah. grade and you'd yeah. already done... Yeah, the there's, you know, I feel like there's a, a transition when we have our our siblings, and then they become our buddies or our friends or the um, people we get into trouble. You know, mm-hmm. We get them into trouble, or we get into trouble with mm-hmm. them. The do you remember you guys getting yelled at for getting into trouble together? Well, our mom wasn't a great disciplinarian. She never, I don't recall, oh, her, don't recall yelling her yelling either. or slapping or anything like that. She, she'd say, oh, girls. <laughs> and if she was really mad about something, it was never something we did, but something that happened, uh, she would say, damn. <laughs> I don't even recall her saying that. And but then we'd yeah. scurry out because we'd say, oh, mom's mad. Yeah. And we'd get out of there. How did that damn thing fall off the counter? You know, like that kind yeah. of expression was very rare. Yeah. But I honestly don't remember uh, as the siblings came home from the hospital, like I remember when Jerome was born. Mm-hmm. That was, oh, it was such an exciting day. I was so, so excited. I'm, I don't know. I think I was 12. <laughs> do you remember when uh, Eugene was born? Yes, I do. Because Eugene yes, I was do. the first boy. He was the first boy, but there was big circumstances around his birth. That was in 1955. And uh, mom was expecting again, you know, and and the baby was to be born in October. And uh, so, but the habit at that time was for mom to go to Loon Lake when it came close to her delivery and she would wait there for the baby to be born. I I love that by the time Eugene was rolling around, you already had a, a system of the... Oh, this is our annual baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, mom was about to go to Loon Lake, and uh, she sensed that there was something strange, like dad was keeping something from her. And uh, she didn't really know what it could be, and there was no phones, no, in, not in the houses. There was a phone in town. Mm-hmm. And anyway, what had happened is dad had received a phone call that... Mom's brother, half-brother, but brother, had um, been gobbled up by a bailer. He was 18. He was, Wow. And Dad didn't want to tell her before she went into labor. He, yeah. he wanted to spare her that. 
but somehow or other, she I think she got it out of him. And um, somebody in town, I yeah. believe, told her because she came driving up in a car. Mm. Somebody drove her to mm. the farm. Mm-hmm. Dad was looking after we girls, five girls. We were on the yeah. wagon with bales or yeah. straw or something. So I I remember the circumstances, circumstances, but I don't actually remember. Eugene, no. Did uh, did you guys have a car at that time? No. no. The did you have a truck? Or just no, a, we no, didn't have we had we, the tractor. We had a John Deere tractor, which Dad bought brand new, and when we when he was on the homestead still. Mm. So then that tractor came to the Macqua home. And that was his means of transportation from town to the farm. Because <laughs> the farm stayed where it was, you know. We didn't drag the farm to town. Yeah. <laughs> and, and a team that, of horses. That yeah. Occasional use as well. Yeah. Did, uh, did your parents get a car before you They eventually got out? a truck. And that was, well, yeah, I was, I was probably only like 15, 16 when they got a truck. Mm-hmm. Wow, the um, and 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 you guys lived with uh, with the outhouse. Oh yeah. The, mm-hmm. And did you have uh, what corn husks or the, was it the Sears <laughs> no, catalog? Sears, Sears catalog. Sears catalog and Japanese yeah. orange wrappers oh, yeah. <laughs> while they lasted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The oh, so wild to think about the <laughs> um. Tell me about Uncle Don. I because the I don't remember meeting you. I it just sort of knew you my whole mm-hmm. life. But I remember I I know crystal clear my first memory of Uncle Don, oh. which was the we went to Shell Lake to visit you. And um and I knew that you and I were related, that we mm-hmm. had some special relationship. I was probably, I don't know, five or six or something mm-hmm. like that. But the but I knew I, I didn't. I wasn't sure of what the relationship was with Dawn or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the um, he's not a particularly gregarious no. or outspoken guy. No. And the but he said, uh, "You want to go for a ride on my motorcycle?" Oh. And I was like, "Yeah, are you kidding? I've been waiting my <laughs> whole life to go even to do this." The, mm-hmm. And I remember that my dad always made me wear a helmet when I went mm-hmm. on his bike, but Dawn didn't. Oh, and we were oh. like outlaws out mm. there with no motorcycle helmets. And we went for a ride in the back and the, and in my mind, we went over some like crazy evil Knievel jump mm-hmm. flying through the air. We probably like hit a little bump. Yeah. <laughs> just went a little bit. Yeah. The, but I feel like we flew into the air and like grabbed onto him. And the, when, uh, when we left the ground, we were strangers, and when mm-hmm. we landed, we were family. Mm-hmm. You know, and like that was my guy, like Uncle Don. He's so cool. <laughs> you know, he was like uh, he was like John Wayne or something. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. The um, do you remember the first time you met Uncle Don? Yeah, sure. Um, I was in grade, must have been in grade eleven, and his cousin was going to the same school, and she wanted. She was bound and determined that. Uh, I had to meet this cousin of hers. So she arranged a blind date. And then I think we went to a movie. <laughs> I wasn't that impressed. He <laughs> <laughs> was pretty you know, quiet. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. So it was, mo- our courtship was mostly by mail. Oh, yeah? Because, well, he's four years older than me, but he, uh, 
he was uh, farming his his dad's land for for his mom because his dad died when he was in about grade nine or something like that. He was, I think he was 17 maybe when his dad died. So then he had to help out and look after his mom. So he was very, very responsible. But he knew that he couldn't make a go of it on the farm and it wasn't really his cup of tea either. So mm. he joined the military. Okay. And he went down to St. John, Quebec and for training and whatnot. And so Was yeah. The Air Force? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The do you remember like what made you come around? Was he uh was he a was well, he a particularly good writer or you just um a connection happened organically over yeah, time? Yeah, I or? guess you know you could say that. And of course the uniform helps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I bet he looked pretty dashing yeah, in his uh yeah. in his uniform. And uh I suppose if you think in terms of career, like where we could go with that, you know, Mm -hmm. it was. So she wasn't going to marry a country bumpkin. Well, she was going to be going places. Going places. Like because I was only 16 when I graduated, you know, what do you do when you're 16? But I was accepted into nurses training, which. When I was six years old, I said I was going to be a nurse. I doubt that I even knew what a nurse was. <laughs> you know. Well, your choices were pretty slim. Remember? Yeah. You could be a teacher. I could have been a, a teacher. nurse or a secretary. Yeah. Probably didn't know what a secretary did no, either. No, <laughs> I didn't. But anyway, that, so I chose nursing, and I went into nursing school, and then you know, I didn't complete it because it, in those days. You were talk about residential school. I was in residential school. Uh huh. And um, what was that like? Well, it was very legislated. Mm-hmm. You know, if we went out of the building, we had to sign out. We had to sign in. Wow. We had curfews. I mean, they treated us well. They fed us well. Uh, whatever. Probably but, had to sign into the kitchen too. <laughs> well, I don't know that we ever, like, we, we, I think we had our meals, you know, I don't know where we ate, but we had mm-hmm. three meals a day. There was a little kitchenette downstairs that mm-hmm. for off hours, you could go down there and get some grub. But yeah, it was pretty ri- rigid. Yeah. Not a lot of uh, leeway at all. So anyway, uh, mom was expecting child number uh, I think it was a Lynn, actually. It sounds like you're losing track yeah, at no, this point. I, I knew uh, she needed help. And I, I was terribly homesick. It wasn't even that I wanted to be home so much. I just, I don't know. It's just, if you've ever had homesickness, it's a real thing. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so I talked to the superior there and I told her I wanted to wanted to take a, a leave and I said to her that my mom was pregnant and expecting her baby 15 yeah and uh, I needed to go home to help and so she let me go with the reservation that I could go back and then on, once I got home but <laughs> <laughs> uh, what made us decide to get married quickly by that time, I was already uh, using my nursing training and working in Cold Lake at the 
in the town that was closest to the airbase where Don was. And that was the time of the Cuban crisis, okay. the Bay of Pigs. Yeah, Cuban Missile Crisis. And the, the airmen were put on alert, and they could be shipped out at any time, mm-hmm. any day, any time. So Don said, well, what do you think? You know, maybe we should get married. Either, either I won't have to go because I'm married or... I don't know what the or was. Anyway, the or was that if he died, he <laughs> yeah, would inherit. Right, right. <laughs> so uh, we waited till Alin was born on December the eighth, and um, gave mom a couple weeks to get back on her feet, and then we got married on January second. <laughs> it's so funny to me to to like contrast your. Um, your lives and your experience growing up the of you know sort of like rocks and sticks as playthings and then also the um well i may go to war and die should we get married yeah the, like i know the you know just how um what a different time it was how hard things were mm. then and how in a lot of ways sort of pragmatism ruled the day i was just day. going to say that practical you know yeah. it, it's just the um you you have to make sense of uh, what you've got there, you mm-hmm. know. The um, and how long have you and Don been married? Sixty like, years on January second. That's wild. Twenty twenty three. Uh, Sixty years. Yep. The um, and you never had your own kids, but you had. Let me see if I can name them all. <laughs> uh, Lynn, Lori, uh, Tim, Sonia, Allison. Ramesh. That's it. I have five. Lynn is Lori's husband. How did I get that wrong? I guess cause, just because Lori's so always, much older than I am. It's Lori and Lynn. The, it's always been Lori and Lynn. Yeah. The, she is 58, I think. She came to see me when I was in New York. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Five or six years. Mm-hmm. More than that. Seven years ago, maybe. Yeah. The um, When... You know, I... I know from talking to my mom that she had always dreamed of having a, a big family mm-hmm. and the then was uh, very disappointed with the children that she had. <laughs> <laughs> with the number. With the number. <laughs> the, um, was it, uh, you know, was it hard for you that you and Dawn couldn't have your own kids or? It was, uh, it was disappointing. Mm-hmm. But even before uh, we were married, I had said we, in our, conversations we had said well yeah we want children and if we can't have children what would we do because I had a cousin that had adopted four children so that was foremost in my mind and I said well we could adopt you know mm-hmm. Don says oh yeah sure no problem well <laughs> about <laughs> a year later out, we yeah. find out that we wouldn't be having any children uh-huh. and um, so then we applied for adoption and Got her number one baby, which was Lori. The, uh, it's so much of my, my life, my childhood, my experience with the family. I don't, I never tracked that it was unusual for there to be 17 kids until Mm -hmm. I got older and people were like, there's three (laughs) kids in my family and we have a large family. Yeah. Um, did you, was there a point where you registered that it was, that 17 was a large number or? Um, 
it wasn't so unusual in in our community because for for instance like our father came from a family of 17 yeah well more than that but 17 raised to adulthood mum's mm-hmm. family was too um it was a blended two, family yeah. but they ended up with seven or so yeah, I think and seven. in the community there were like ten, families 12. of 10 yeah 12 I, I love that when you guys are looking back at uh, kids the it's both there's such a profusion of children and life was so hard at that time mm-hmm. you're like oh they had about a dozen yeah <laughs> just <laughs> we'll yeah. just pick a rough number yeah. there <laughs> yeah yeah and it just it seems ironic that I come from a family of 17 and that we didn't have our own you know it yeah. just seems strange but um wait so is is T the oldest cousin or no it's Nicole Irene's daughter the who's the who's the oldest biological or who was the first person to the to have Janet. a I suppose Janet had okay that um, was our we had our kids and then Janet yeah, I think Marilyn. Janet and Marilyn yeah yeah and Irene yeah the um it's it's curious to to you know i've sort of written about the family i mean it's funny like i'm looking at this velvet painting which i got from michelle oh and victoire and oh. <laughs> schlepped it all the way down here oh, it looks nothing like the lake but yeah. it reminds me of the lake mm-hmm. the, it's funny to think about um family um because uh because your kids are all older than mm-hmm. I am. I know. So the, I don't think we ever had any conception of um, a division between the biological cousins. And no, the I don't think cousins. so either. The you know that uh, Sonia is very much you know Sonia you know Tim is one of the the cousins. I feel like I talk more to the cousins <laughs> that I I'm not biologically related mm-hmm. to than mm-hmm. I do the cousins that I am the but um you know Sonia and Tim are, were like a huge part of our experience going mm-hmm. up there and hanging out mm-hmm. and uh and they're still you know some of the first people I like look mm-hmm. for when I'm back up there the when um when did you wind up in Shell Lake how long have you guys been in that oh, house? Well, we we uh, after our marriage, we lived in Cold Lake uh, about three years or so, and then we went to the Yukon in 1966 and spent 11 years from one border of the of the Yukon to the other. You know, oh moving. We moved three times, and Dad was always in. He was business minded and he was always trying to set the family up, you know. Mm-hmm. And there was this store in Shell Lake owned by my cousin and it was for sale. And so dad was instrumental in bringing us back to Shell Lake. I say back, I back to Saskatchewan. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, and at that point in time, um, Lori, being the oldest, would have had to board maybe in Whitehorse to go to school, and and she was only what thirteen, mm-hmm. and uh, and then we had also that was the year that Ramesh had arrived, and he he arrived when we lived in Watson Lake, and he had uh, 
the polio leg, which mm-hmm. required a lot of treatment. And so we just decided, you know, what the heck, it's better to move south, move out. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the kids can go to school and we can get proper treatment for Ramesh. And, and that's what took us to Shell Lake. To move south to Saskatchewan. Yeah. The, yeah. the balmy shores yeah. of Saskatchewan. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> the, so how long have you guys been in Shell Lake? We've been there 43 years, I think, since 1976. So wild. Because, you know, the... And now she's the mayor. <laughs> yeah, we got to get to that. The Mom, how many places have you lived since 1976? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Too many Countries, to count? Where, you know, uh, a lot. I don't know. I haven't counted. Yeah, the, I, I mean, yeah. I, I doubt that we could count. At this point, seventy-six, the, we were in Ontario. Yeah, the, and we moved to New Mexico. Well, in but in Ontario, we were in like the house on Dalton. Oh, yeah, and then uh, the, Dalton, and then Frontenac, and then New Mexico, and then New Hampshire, and then uh, Colorado. Uh, yeah, Colorado, a couple different apartments: Lafayette, Boulder, yeah. Yeah. the um, Louisville, Virgin yeah. Islands. Yeah, California, California. <laughs> And California. A couple of different places <laughs> Arizona, here. Arizona, Arizona. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's why I was showing Anita how pretty much everything I own is in a bin. <laughs> Even if it's in a cupboard on a shelf, it's in a bin. Yeah. So it's easy to load up. Yeah. Load and go. <laughs> it's funny because the, you know, seeing the two of you together, I'm, I think of all the the similarities and stuff. The um, And then, you know, also sort of. You know, country mouse and I, mean, I don't know, <laughs> city, city mouse, yeah. city or mouse. like hitchhiker yeah. mouse or traveling yeah. mouse or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but you've been all over the world too, right? Oh, yeah. the, I've done a she fair just bit of travel. House. That's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, you, you always come back home. The I oh god, I have so many. Um, I remember. I remember you guys coming to visit us in New Mexico when I was mm-hmm. probably like eight or nine, mm-hmm. and I loved catching lizards, and, and you, you had a low, <laughs> low-cut tank top, and so I threw the lizard down the front of your shirt. Oh, I don't remember <laughs> oh, that. I remember that. <laughs> uh, that's when you did a funny little dance. <laughs> yeah, and I remember you went to like, whoo, like a, a good hoot, and then you like turned towards the rock wall and sort of jiggling stuff around, and, <laughs> the, and I... And in my mind, I connect that story to the you and Don living um, on the in the tent platform behind oh, the shed in, in the St. Virgin John. Islands, yeah. and the, a lizard crawling over you in the night, and you like brushed it away like it was a bug or something, and then <laughs> got like you get kind got, of accustomed to those things, yeah, yeah. critters, <laughs> yeah. The and I thought being mayor of shell lake was a thing that had happened but it's still happening yeah mm-hmm. yeah it is mm-hmm. my term will be up in 2024 it's your third I, term eh? yeah i will not renew it because it's time for somebody else to come on with fresh ideas when uh so the 11 years 2023 so uh 2012 2011 something like that yeah. the um how did you fall into that? Were you like, well, the, well, it's time I move into my political career. No, it's kind of strange how it happened, actually. <laughs> or did you lose um, a bet? Is it one no. of those things that happens in <laughs> Shell Lake? That, well, we got to find a mayor for no, every year. They were and, at uh, kind of crossroads. They'd been without a mayor for three months. Uh-huh. 
And I'd stop in the office every now and then and say, well, what happens? Like, you don't have a mayor. Well, who's going to run the town? Oh, well, if we don't get a mayor, the government will come and appoint one. Appoint one? From from where? Like, oh, they didn't really know. But I had been exposed to that when Don was mayor for 11 years. Wait, he was mayor for... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do, do you and guys just have the mayor just, hat in your yeah, house that you pass back and forth? I think forth? so. <laughs> but he, he had... Um, <laughs> Like he had done his term and there had been two or three mayors in between. And um, I thought, well, you know, I kind of have an idea of how he did things. And I, I could probably handle that. Did, wait, did you run against him? Were no, you like the, no, I didn't even. <laughs> down with Dawn. <laughs> no, he was, he was out of the picture. He's he'd done his stint. So I, I just submitted my name and one other person ran and. I think I won by, like, she had five volts or whatever, and I had the rest. And uh, then it was a learning curve. It wasn't all easy. It wasn't roses in the beginning because the council of the time, I don't know, they seemed to think that I was something, I don't know, goody two-shoes or uh, I went to church, you know, and I had to be weird. (laughs) And uh, they didn't. They just didn't want to let me in. It was had they really had hard. Had a woman mayor before? Yes, they had. Hmm. I took over from a woman mayor. Okay. But mostly, they just didn't know me mm-hmm. as a person. And biggest resistance because you'd only been there thirty years. Yeah. <laughs> biggest resistance I got was from the deputy mayor that is now my deputy mayor, and he he was really he was really hard on me. And one day I. I told him, I says, you know what? I don't think you want a mayor. You just want to run it the way you want it. And uh, I walked out on him. And bit by bit, you know, like I still had to, uh, I was the mayor, so I chaired the meetings. And it was, the meetings were really stilted, really not not good. And I had a letter in my briefcase on uh, about two months in. I had this letter prepared that I was going to submit my resignation. But I I talked to them and I said, you know, you guys are being, you're just not letting me in. Mm -hmm. And I said, we have to work together. If we can't work together, I'm out. Mm -hmm. And uh, I could see them kind of of embarrassed. They were shuffling in their chairs and stuff. And I, I said, but on the other hand, I kind of... I kind of detect that you're willing to give a little, so we'll we'll keep on, we'll try. And then it just got better all mm-hmm. from there on in. And you know, the, my rival, he's my best. He's my best friend. Ah, uh, yeah. Like he'd stand behind me now if if I did something wrong, he'd probably still stand behind me. <laughs> no, to, but he just had to hump. get to know me, and yeah, and yeah. And so you does, probably had to do had to stand up to him. Yeah. yeah. So does the job? Do you get like? Uh, do they give you like a, a new jeep every no, year? Oh heavens, no! The, do you get like a like a sheriff's no, pin? You uh, get absolutely nothing except <laughs> you get a stipend for uh, attending meetings. So uh-huh. you know, it's you get a hundred dollars a meeting. <laughs> but uh, no, it's it's just a a job of. 
out of the heart. You have I, to enjoy it. I, yeah, I I always think of. I mean, the writer in my head is like, oh, my God, those little town meetings have got to be fascinating. And I think about, like, Corner Gas, which mm-hmm. I just thought was the funniest <laughs> yeah. thing. The, um, well, I, you know, is there, a, is there like, a residential requirement that maybe I'll throw my hat Well, you do have to be a resident year. of the, the does, does you have to be the municipality for, for 30 years it. before? No, the- <laughs> I think it's... Three months, maybe, or maybe you could permanent s- resident. Like if you're paying taxes, uh, then you're considered a resident. Maybe you could sneak me in. Mm. I could be the mayor of Shelley. Well, <laughs> that would be all right. <laughs> well, we talked about last night about the difference of the cost of living in the U.S. versus Canada, mm-hmm. and I thought that it would be equal or even higher in Canada, but it's not. It's lower by like thirteen percent. Cost wow. of living in Canada. Put that in the pot. Yeah, the I was talking to I was talking to Oscar about guns the other day, and the and I was having this conversation with him that I keep getting drawn into with my like gun nut buddies, where they're like, "Oh, you need one for protection," and I'm like, "Yeah, but if everybody has one for protection, mm. then we're all screwed." Mm-hmm. You know, the and at at some point, somebody's just got to be like, "No, not me." The, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm not going to go in on that, and the um. And, you know, eventually I had to, uh, I had to just tell him like, Oscar, I love you. You're my friend and you'll never win this argument with me. <laughs> like my mind is made up. I've, I have done my research. I've looked at the numbers. I know how, you know, logic and reasoning works. The, and he said, well, if you hate guns so much, why do you live in Arizona? <laughs> Which is like the, the right. most like gun loving state mm, yep. in the most gun loving country. And I looked at him and I said, I'd rather take my chances of dying in a hail of gunfire than freezing to death in Mm. Canada. Mm. (laughs) um, Because the the winters there are just next level. um, Do you feel like you suffer during the winter? Or at at this point, is it just uh, just another winter? No, actually, I'm, I'm glad we have seasons because, you know, we wouldn't live to be very old if we had summer every all year long because mm-hmm. we work the so hard. The sun doesn't set until eleven. Yeah, yeah. we work. Yeah. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. and it's good. It's the variety is good. I don't like it when it's minus forty. <laughs> no, but usually it doesn't last that long, and it's gradual. You don't get get up one morning and it's minus forty. Mm-hmm. So it's Don really doesn't like winter. Yeah. It's a lot of work for him too. Shoveling snow, blowing snow. Um, you know, you go to start your car. Well, you got to warm it up in the garage and heat it, heat the garage and warm the car before you even get outside. And yeah. I have to tell this story, which has become part of family lore now, about uh, you know Uncle Don and Andy Sear, mm-hmm. Uncle Andy. The and you know again thing about the you know what family is and what family isn't the what I always tell people about family you know the, this idea of chosen family doesn't exist because mm-hmm. we would never pick the family that we no. have the, no. the family is those are the people They're you're signed stuck with to us. Yeah. it's like you just get on the bus and like oh man you guys you know yeah. the, all right shit we're all here you know yeah. the but then there are the in laws mm-hmm. you know like. Uh, you know, Claude Durrett and Wally and 
Andy and Uncle Don that um, for me have informed so much of like what our family is about. And the and Don and Andy are just <laughs> salt. They were salt of the earth, mm-hmm. like good old boys who just lived to work. Yep. The, Andy Sear had like boundless energy that my mom and I were talking about him the other day. And it's like the it was, it was like five foot one. And the way that he was built, I it know. was like he had just been lopped off at the knees, yeah, you know, right. the normal size torso. His, his back and, was normal. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, but he and Dawn just, you know, had an appetite for working mm-hmm. that was just, you just work for, from sunup to sundown as long as you could. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Andy was a bricklayer and the, and it was, and it was one of those things that I, you know, I think in the family, if we were like, well, who works harder, Dawn or Andy, <laughs> that it would just be like, well, I don't know. We'll never find out, <laughs> nope. you know? And then there was the one summer that Dawn went to work with Andy laying bricks and he was probably in his seventies by that yeah, time. Might have been. The, which is a weird age to start laying bricks. The, <laughs> but they were, you know, working hard there together, and I think getting along well, and sort of having a good time doing the thing that they love most in the world, which is working. And the and then Dawn slipped off a ladder. Oh yes. And the and broke his ankle. Yeah. And the and the doctor was like, okay that's it. You're out for six weeks, yep. you know, the, and it took Dawn, whatever, two and a half or three days The you know, he was on his back for maybe a day, day yeah. and a half yeah. and just couldn't stand it. And then went out to his shop that's and took right. a metal shop stool mm-hmm. and fabricated and welded a peg leg for himself. <laughs> and he had the advantage of, um, using one of Ramesh's old, braces the hinge part yeah the yeah. so yeah so he had a hinged peg and i remember walking watching him walk around the kitchen yeah like just like nothing yeah. you know that he had just yeah. and since then they've patented that what yes what? you can order those online well they've got the wheeler like a scooter type thing, but they also have the thing that you kneel into and you just peg along. It's like you're, and he says, I should have patented it. The Dawn Wires peg leg. Yeah. He worked bingo at the bingo hall Mm -hmm. because it was his turn, his shift, and he worked bingo with his peg leg. (laughs) He cut grass with his peg leg. (laughs) That was the year of the reunion. Yeah, yeah. The, One of the reunions, yeah, Victoire. So funny. <laughs> yeah. The um and one of the things that I think that you know the family really like delights in is how um how reliable you guys are. Mm-hmm. Like I um I've told this story a million times, I gotta tell it again. The, <laughs> I remember this How is predictable. Probably they are. <laughs> the I say reliable because yeah. it's a good the it's le, but predictable. predictable. Yes, the, <laughs> um, in the best possible way because I remember that it was Sunday night and it was probably 2007 2008. I was like at the end of my drinking career and uh, and it was uh, it was a Sunday and it was whatever two or three so we're starting to you know drink beers at the lake and. 
I think Neil and Preston and Jeremy mm-hmm. and I, or it was, I think it was Neil and Jeremy and I, we looked at each other and we were like, we're, shit, we're going to run out of beer. The, we got to make a run into Shell Lake to hit oh, the bar yeah, before yeah, the yeah. bar closes to, uh, you know, so we don't run out. So we piled in the pickup truck and drove to Shell Lake and got there just as the bar closed. And we were like, well, shit, what do we do now? And I said, you know, I bet if we go over to Anita and Dawn's, I'll bet you Dawn will be like puttering around back in the shop. And we probably won't even have to ask. <laughs> we, if we, I bet if we just show up there, Dawn will be like, well, why don't you guys come in for a glass of wine? <laughs> so we, we drove over to your house and the... And there's nobody there. The doors are open. <laughs> Walked in and I was like, let's go back to the shop. So we went back to the shop and there was a little grinding sound or mm-hmm. he's work, working away on something. And we just stood there. Nobody said anything. And then I think Don could tell that there was somebody mm-hmm. there and he looked back and saw us and turned the grinder off and he was like, hey boys, how are you? And I was like, well, we're just in the neighborhood and we thought we'd, you know, pop by and see how you're doing. He's like, oh, just, you know, just work in the shop. You boys want to come in for a glass of wine? <laughs> and, and we were like, well, why not? You know, as long as we're here. So we, the, and when oh, I told them too, and I said, I bet, I bet Dawn will invite us in for a glass of wine. And the, and I bet if Anita's around, we might even get a meal out of it. <laughs> <laughs> and so we went in the house with Dawn and the, we're drinking his, <sighs> It's, high I wanna, test wine. It's high yeah, test, I, yeah, I was going to say rot gut, but it wasn't rot gut. It was delicious. It was just high alcohol. It, yeah. Like the, I remember, I, I don't, I think it was his crab apple wine it or something be. like that. Yeah. I remember, and I loved Dawn, and I remember t- having a big drink of the crab apple wine and looking over at him, and I could feel the wine like <laughs> blooming in my chest, and my thought was. I bet I can kick your ass. <laughs> like, like looking at my old uncle and I was like, I, I bet right. I can whip you. Yeah, you really, <laughs> and you really the, grew in stature with that wine. <laughs> and so we're, you know, the, and a glass of wine turns into four and then mm-hmm. we're, and we're sitting there and just, and so it's the equivalent of the, one, a third. Oh, vodka. yeah. Uh, yeah. And the, when he never ran out, the every time you know we were like oh all right the, that was we killed that bottle he was like well i've got did, did you try the the raspberry or the blueberry or the saskatoon berry or the apple or you know he has this vault down yes. there the, um and so the wine kept coming and then you showed up the maybe you were coming back from a mayor's oh, meeting probably. or something no the, it wasn't a mayor yet i don't think that- um and uh and you were like, oh, hello, boys. You know, what are you doing here? And uh, I was like, well, you know, we were just in the neighborhood and we just thought we'd pop by. And and you said, well, have you eaten yet? <laughs> 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 and, and we had the, it was like a potato and pea casserole or something. And oh, then. I don't the, know. I don't remember. And then, um, and by this, by this point, we're cross-eyed drunk and so full and just the and um and then you were like well did you want some dessert and the and what did you bring out what was saskatoon the, pie the saskatoon pie and the there was the, it was the like uh uh tiramisu it was the, the saskatchewan tiramisu oh, or something like that uh, the layered cracker, my cracker cake <laughs> uh 
So what what goes in the cracker cake? Oh, it's just a layer of whipped cream, a layer of crackers, a layer Saltines. of pudi- pudding. Yeah. And repeat the layers as high as you want it. And then um, on the top, you put, you know, um, either blueberries or Saskatoon berries or raspberries. More whipped cream. Do you let that sit overnight? Oh, sure. You can yeah. let it sit for 24 hours because before the you... The, saltines. Yes, the saltines have to soak up the moisture. Yeah. And they become like... Um, Pastry, like yeah. pate or like protein. Yeah. yeah. And I remember us driving home that night <laughs> and the i mean good thing it was a gravel road the but um just lit up and, and cackling mm-hmm. <laughs> we were like we did it <laughs> we pulled it off you know the and it's the um and we knew that you guys were going to do exactly mm-hmm. what you were going to yeah. do <laughs> the um so Let's talk about what brings you down here. The how did this how did this trip come about for you? Hmm. Well, it came about because I had um, I'd signed up for a credit uh, credit card two years ago on my trip to Israel. I was in the airport in Toronto, and this woman came along and sold me this credit card, and uh, the beauty of it was that I would get enough points that I could go uh, four provinces in Canada or um, I don't know if I had to earn more points before I could come here or not but anyway there's short hauls and long hauls and you know all that stuff so I was looking at it and I thought well you know I better use these points up and so well what am I going to do with them like where am I going to go? <laughs> so I decided that I would come here, and that was it. Cash them in. Mm-hmm. The um, my plan was to do a, and people were asking about it last time we were at the comedy show. The there was, people were saying, "Oh, you got to do a follow up episode with your mom after her big surgery, and the you know getting that huge." Is it a tumor? Is it a mass? It the, called, they just call it a mass. Um, you know, removed from behind your cheek. The and we had um, we had so much anxiety mm-hmm. going into oh, that. Oh, gracious, yeah. And the but one of the predictors that we had, um, you know, going into my mom's surgery is when you had your surgery. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I remember writing you a Facebook message mm-hmm. when you were about to go in for, and it was, uh, was a tumor on your optic nerve? Right. The, oh, I'm going to cry here. So it's a, the, it, I remember writing to you and thinking like, I might, ha- I might be saying goodbye to my, yeah. to my auntie here. Yeah. And we were so worried about you. I wasn't, you know, it's funny. I wasn't that worried because the doctor told me that 90% of the time this thing is not cancer. Uh, But he said, you know, it's not to say it's not uh, serious. He said you could have a stroke. The likelihood Mm -hmm. of having a stroke was very strong. Mm -hmm. And I could be blind. Well, I said, what have I got to lose? Like, I mean, it's either that or... I'm blind anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I'm blind. (laughs) Yeah, and it's so... 
So we yeah. both had our head examined. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't believe they let you both out back into the they world. They didn't go into your brain, though. No, that's no. right. They didn't. Did they actually go into your brain, though? Well, it's not. It's... They, it's the frontal lobe behind. Uh-huh. Okay. No, actually, they didn't touch the, the brain. I mean, brain. the brain rests in that cavity. Yeah. They push the brain out of the way and yeah. remove that tumor. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. But they had to go through my skull. So they cut a they round hole in her forehead. Call it a craniotomy. Wow. Not a lobotomy, but... <laughs> uh, that'll be next year. Yeah. That cost extra. No, yeah. it was... Uh, yeah. yeah, it was a wonderful success. Like, wow, <laughs> wasn't totally a success because I had a second surgery to repair the first one. But yeah, yeah, but in the end, in the end, it was. Yeah, you know the obviously I'm a lot younger than you guys, but I'm old enough to, um, you know, particularly now when I came back from tour, I like I hadn't exercised in 45 days, and I was. And I like looked at the calendar and I was like, I have 30 days before I turn 46 mm-hmm. and I'm fat and skinny and weak and old and I hate it. And I don't want to go into this year hating my body. And so I started uh, working out again as soon as I got the day that I got home and I've been doing this workout every day and I hate it so much <laughs> and I hate getting older and I hate that my body will do less than it used to, but that's part of the aging process is mm-hmm. that you yeah. you have to sort of adjust your expectations and say, you know, the um, when we went into that comedy show last night, I was worried that you guys were going to be falling asleep by the end. And then I was. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, all right, wrap Lou, up, wrap Lou. it up. The grandpa's tired. I got to get, got to go sleep with my dog. <laughs> uh, no, for me, the surgery was, I mean, altered the way I saw my future. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you if you can be just going blithely along, doing your normal things that are normal for me, not normal for 75, um, lifting and pushing and shoving and working from sunup till sundown and go to bed and just feel like, wow, that was a good day. Let me have eight hours of sleep here and I'll do that tomorrow. <laughs> my job list ready for me. And then they discover that this mass has been growing in my head probably, who knows, 10 years, 15 mm-hmm. years, mm-hmm. you know, and was running out of room. Um, so you think, okay, well, what else is lurking? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Beneath the folds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. The, do you feel differently after, like, post-surgery? The... Just in my thoughts. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. it, it, it is a transformative experience for us to confront our own mortality. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know that it was, uh, it was super hard for T to see you. Um, you know, I, we have friends who, like, their parents are, de- are dealing with uh, um, dementia and Alzheimer's and stuff like that. And the... Fortunately, my mom's mind went a long time ago, (laughs) but the, you know, that's got, you know, got to be profoundly distressing the, but you know, for T just to see you coming out of anesthesia, I know that that was, uh, incredibly hard for her because we know, we understand in the abstract that like your mother will die, your father will die. Um, the, but in our hearts, you know, the, Mm -hmm. 
people, their last words are always like, oh, God, I'm dying. Mm-hmm. Because it catches them by surprise every time. <laughs> because the, we all tell ourselves, like, well, that's something that will happen to other people, other but people, not to yeah. me. You yeah. know, the, and yeah. it, it's like we have that or not now. conviction, I'm, I'm, you, you know, know, deep in our hearts. Yeah. The, and, um, and I think, you know, an, another sort of corollary of that is that um, we imagine our, you know, our parents to be immortals. Yeah. You know, when you're a child, your mother has so much power over you, you know, that your mother is like a deity and for, for T to see you, um, not able to hold your head up and not able to keep your eyes open. And yeah. you know, the, yeah, that, coming out was, of that, was, that was really hard coming out. At the yeah. Yeah. I know it was, you know, really distressing for her. And I, I mean, I told her, I was like, man, you should have partied with me and my friends because that was, that was par for the course. We always saw people in that condition. I uh, wasn't allowed visitors because uh, COVID was pretty strong at that time. So Dawn was allowed to come in one hour a day and only one visitor. Was that, was that lonely for you and scary no, for you? No, you know, I, it was fine. I was okay. Like if you know what the rules are, yeah. you're going to be like, well, okay, fine. I'll watch yeah. TV then or I'll yeah. whatever. It was you know? okay. I was only in overnight. So. I, I mean, they'd phone me and yeah. I'd talk. And, but it was hard on Tim. He, he just was a basket case. But the, I could see that. Yeah. The, I mean, I think that's one of the things that, you know, that Tim and I, that our generation that we struggle with is that, um, you know, our parents have come through... Uh, tremendous hardship, um, you know, growing up in poverty and, you know, living through really hard times. And I, I don't know if you guys perceive it that no, way. No, we don't. That, that was just, that was just your life. You oh, know, the, the way it was. Yeah. And no, I got a new pine cone this year, yeah. you know, the, <laughs> upgraded. Yeah. The, um, but when we compare it to our lives, you know, the, mm-hmm. you know, as sort of easy and soft as our lives are, and we look at our parents and the, the strength that they have, the courage that they have, the things that they've gone through, I think we look at our own lives and we're like, Oh God, I'm fucked. I'll never be able to, you know, have, um, have the resilience. Or yeah. The... Well, but, I think, but you would, I think you know? people get the strength when they need it. They just do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is one of those things that I, I, you know, it may be too, that maybe it's like, you know, your taxes that like I spend all year worrying about my taxes and then it's like, when it comes down to it, it's like two shitty days mm-hmm. and then it's over, mm-hmm. you know, the, and every year I'm like, I'll never be able to do it. And then mm-hmm. I do it and then mm-hmm. it's, you know, and then it's done. Mm-hmm. The, um, was it scary for you to think about my mom going through this and your well, sister I, having a major surgery? No, and, I had the confidence that yeah. it would work out. Wow. Well, our sister Alin had just had the surgery. I guess that's uh, one of the good things about having such a huge family yeah. is that you have a focus group for <laughs> yeah. the, oh, well, yeah. how's your diabetes? Yeah. You know, right. and yes, yes. In you fact, guys we can do all that. kibitz about <laughs> yeah. the different, you know, your different I health didn't, conditions. You know, and, like, be, I kind of tried to think it through and I thought that they wouldn't have to go in your throat, which should be a plus. To, it's totally different going yeah, from outside as to what anything that's happening inside your throat that's pretty bad pretty yeah. scary yeah but uh yeah i just i just figured they have good doctors nowadays and they have every facility you know that you could wish for so you just have to trust i was by the time i went in for surgery i i gathered my thoughts but i had two months of terror hmm. you know. the it's funny cuz I never saw terror 
in what you're dealing with or going through, you know, that I know that you like expressed concern and you, that you were thinking about it and that you had, you were doing sort of like focused research, but I, you know, we're sort of, I think we're good at hiding yeah. <laughs> um, that from other people. Yeah. The, you know, well, on, another <clears throat> thing is that a lot of people cared that I was going to have to do this, but didn't bother to research what precisely were the possibilities I did the research. I knew we were dealing with seven dam- nerves that could be damaged. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I knew all, all the possibilities. Didn't mean they were going to happen. But a lot of people said, oh, you're strong. It'll, mm-hmm. You'll be fine. I said, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm strong or not. It's the skill of the surgeon. Yeah. It's the skill of the surgeon. Yeah. I mean, also, we tell people like, oh, you're strong, you'll be, you'll be okay to reassure them. But I think also sometimes it comes off as minimizing yeah. the, you know, you want to be optimistic, but, but, you know, the, you know, you may die, mm-hmm. you know, that was one of the mm-hmm. options. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I remember going into it thinking that, I don't know, as I get... I used to think all all the sort of intu- you know intuition and the um, oh I have a feeling you know that that was all just woo woo stuff but um, maybe as my testosterone plummets and I I develop, cultivate more of my women's intuition mm. in my forties the mm-hmm. I I did have a feeling that this wasn't the end of the road for us mm-hmm. that you know that um, that things would be okay and that. And not just that you would live through the surgery, but that you would, you would be yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, that you wouldn't be transformed by it. But I remember I was hunting the day that you were in surgery and I remember going out and sitting in the blind and there was, you know, my pile of corn Mm -hmm. there and I was waiting for the damn deer to come in and a mama deer came Mm -hmm. in with her two fawns and the... And I got a picture of them, the two fawns eating from the corn while the mama had her head up watching. looking around, mm-hmm. you know, watching out to make sure her babies were okay. And I cried <laughs> and just cried and cried. And, uh, and I knew that, you know, there was nothing I could do from there. Yeah. The, it's, you know, it's funny. My, uh, my friend Lou was, uh, such a great guide through the process of learning how to hunt and going through all that. And, um, a good direct communicator and, mm-hmm. you know, he came out, you know, the second morning that we were, or the first morning that we were going out hunting. And he was like, listen, I've talked to you about all the other, you know, when, what to shoot and where to shoot and when to shoot. Uh, how do I put this? If you shoot a deer, you will cry. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, cool. I can, I'm good no, at no, crying. No, no. <laughs> I can do that. The, um, but, uh, I didn't. Mm-hmm. But I cried everywhere else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I cried yeah. at every other part in the process. And I, mm-hmm. But I do remember like just sitting out there in the cold and trying so hard to, to stay positive and to mm-hmm. sort of the, um, you know, just hold you in a loving embrace in my head. It was probably and, a good distraction. It was. And that was another thing is but, that I was like, maybe I should take today off. And I was like, no, I need yeah. to, I need to go and do, yeah. um, I need to go and do this. I need to go and focus on something else. The... Well, I I mean, I couldn't be happier because all the things that could have happened didn't. 
They didn't, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. I mean, even compared to um, our sister Lynn, who just had a small one centimeter cyst removed, she actually had her face was palsied. She couldn't blink her eyes. She couldn't. It corrected itself, but I could have been. I I could have uh, had it temporarily or or permanently. Um, there's, there were just so many things that could have been influenced that weren't. I'll tell you what, too, like the nothing makes you appreciate your life than when like the semi truck goes mm. you're like, oh, you're shit, right. I, I could have died there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. The, I'm, yeah. I'm totally alive. Yeah. The, so what's uh, what's your next adventure? Hmm, well, in May, Dawn and I are going on a 14 night uh, river cruise from Amsterdam to Budapest. Wow. So that's yeah, sounds nice. something to look forward to. It's, it's good to know that you're uh, you're still traveling and doing stuff. And also, uh, I'm very disappointed to hear that because I keep my, you know, Tatiana and I keep saying, okay, we're going to tell mom she's grounded this year. <laughs> yeah. But if you and Dawn. Oh, I'm not grounded. <laughs> if you and Dawn are still gallivanting oh, yeah. about. The- yeah, we're going to try it anyway. But he doesn't. He's not able to walk so well, like, long you know, distances. long distances or up hills or what. Like, so if we mm. were to go to St. John right now, he'd, he'd, he'd be handicapped. Oh, you me know, because <laughs> St. John, yeah, maybe. Because yeah. you, you just have to be able to walk. Yeah. And, um, well, he likes the water too. Yeah. So being on a boat would, and I think it'll be comfortable, you know. And it's something you haven't done. Right. Right. Yeah. And I wanted to do that rather than an ocean cruise. I was just going to say to you, I haven't cruised yet either, and that's yeah. not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Every Everything I've read about ocean cruises says that it's it's not for me. Yeah. But also, I mean, when's the last time I took a vacation? Like, I go places and I do yeah. stuff, yeah. The, but yeah. um, it's like my, my working life is kind of vacation, and my vacation is all working life, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The... Um, I don't I don't know how to phrase this question. Anita, do you have a sense of how rich your life is <laughs> to have this huge family and to have I remember sitting at the lake this is probably in the eighties or nineties, the sitting at Eugene's cabin watching some dumb movie on TV with like eight or 10 of us on the couch, you know, and it was like four mm-hmm. sitting there and then four, you know, on the bottom and mm. two on the top and, mm-hmm. one, you know, one little cousin, you know, laying across or whatever. And just the, to have, you know, my blood touching me like mm-hmm. on all sides. And, uh, I not you know, it was such a comfort to me. The, do you? Well, I, I, I feel privileged. I mean, to have, have that many in the family and I try to I'm trying to make uh, connections with some of the younger ones you know like I mean I'm I'm 70 years older than some of my <laughs> nieces and nephews yeah. and uh, I don't want to just be that old auntie that old aunt Anita you know like yeah. I, I just want them to see me as <laughs> a real person. Yeah. I, I, think I am that, more connected to the the older ones, like mm-hmm. Elaine's children, Janet's children, Marilyn's. Yeah. 
Irene's, olives. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I do find that quite a lot of even the younger ones will reach out to me. Hi, Auntie. You know, how are you doing? Whatever. Thank you, Auntie. So, yeah. It's nice. I... We, you know, we were, we went to see Lou Moon's taping uh, last night, which was amazing. It was incredible, and I'm so glad you guys came and got to see that. The, but, you know, one of the things that Lou was talking about is, you know, he was like, you know, people are like, oh, you're so good with kids. And he's like, I am a kid, <laughs> you know, and I think that uh, I think there's absolutely, you know, some um, some truth to that, too, with, you know, with you. the I remember seeing... Um, pictures of you as a kid that my mom had mm-hmm. and the and just instantly being like oh that's Anita you know <laughs> and I just knew it right away immediately mm-hmm. and the because there still is that uh, there's you know such a strong sense of like that girl inside mm-hmm. you and the um, I, I don't know I remember so much of that from uh, from my life being a kid and, and having you um, not just as, you know, my aunt or my family member, but like my buddy, you know, and I remember, God, the, well, was, this was your chicken chasing, buddy. I was just going to say that when <laughs> down in St. John and the, when was, the, when was this, this was, I was probably, I was probably 30. You had a birthday there at the, time. Oh, yeah, you probably did. And it, that was such a bad time for me. I was like the... I was just circling the drain, you know, when it came to my drinking and I felt uh, completely out of my head. And, um, and this is one of the weird things to go through my life of, you know, struggling with alcoholism and drugs and, you know, my own anxiety and depression and mental illness and all that shit is that, um, you never treated me any differently mm. for what I was going through. And you I didn't know you were going through. <laughs> <laughs> I mean maybe that's smacked you upside down. Maybe that's the trick is that the you know, in the same way you were able to hide your terror that I was able to hide my terror. But the I you know, one of my and I always, I always it's in the book, I always come back to it is you know, the day in the Virgin Islands where we got a long stick with a hook on the end and we were we went out to try and like catch a chicken because <laughs> for dinner the, yeah because <laughs> there were all these chicken and i <laughs> and it was both like we were serious yeah. we were out for blood and also it was so it's a game so too so hilarious and i remember the you know, you would sort of try and distract him and I would try to sneak up on him and then at one point you were like oh, I'll, I'll call the chicken over and <laughs> you're doing doing the wing motions with your arms and everything you could to the, yeah. get that rooster. And yeah. it was the I don't know. The I learned so much that day about the you know about about hunting and fishing. Which, you know, which is that it matters less what you bring home and yeah. it matters more what you know the time you have. The yeah. time that you and have. also just your life. You know, mm-hmm. the of. Um, Enjoy the damn thing, mm-hmm. you know. Try to have a little fun. Mm-hmm. We we have learned. I see from your visit, like we've learned so many things, uh, kind of almost uh, intuitively. In so we were making a key lime pie, and it said to chill it for five minutes. So Tashina put her timer on, and five minutes. She said, "Okay, is this good now?" And well, I might have left it there for 15 minutes while I went out and got the laundry from the dryer or whatever, because I knew it wouldn't damage it. 
Uh-huh. And then I left, and uh, it was in the oven, and the instructions were to take it out at 18 minutes. So apparently um, they looked at it and decided it wasn't done, and Anita was the coach, and she said, no, we're going to cook it a little bit longer. It looks perfect. We'll know tomorrow. <laughs> but that's like we never set a timer. Yeah. We just knew how to look at something and... That was, uh, you know, it's one of the things that always freaked me out when I was a kid is that I'd be like, Mom, what time is it? And you're like, oh, about 3.20. <laughs> what? And then, you know, look at my watch and it was, you know, 3.19 or 3.21 uh-huh. or something like that. You yeah, know, and I never had of, a watch on. Yeah. I'd be out in the garden or something and he'd ask, what time is it? And I could guess the time. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know sort of old world, old world skills. Right. Uh, yeah. Ladies, I think we got it. Well, we got the tip of it. But <laughs> we could probably talk, yeah, we till talk. tomorrow. I know that that was that was one of the things. You know, we were sort of talking about this and setting it up. The is that I was like, well, I don't know that I can explain sort of a podcast or what. I don't know what this. I won't know what it is until I finish doing it. Mm-hmm. The and um and then I was like, I don't. I need to not worry about it. If, if Anita knows how to do one thing, it's just sit talk down and, and talk story. and visit and, uh, yeah, and yeah. just, you know, tell stories and stuff. Yeah. The, but, um, thank you guys so much for doing this. Oh, the, my pleasure. It's, it's so cool. And, you know, when we took that picture out on the deck the other day, the two of you there, it's, um, it's such a curious thing to be, to be a kid and to look at, your parents and to be able to see the kid in them you know and i i, I really well, I saw hope that everybody always done <clears throat> yeah right right to uh you know to see the the love and the connection and the friendship between you guys you know you're you're just buddies out there you know giggling she led the and, way <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, well i love you both very much yes. thanks oh, thank so much you. for doing i love it. you love too mishka awesome. part of why i came awesome can't let um too many years go between because you know you lose connection yeah it's it's true and the and this is a good reminder for me that i got to get back up there the it would be incredible to go to go hunting go with Dawn or something the yeah and um and i'll be on the east coast so we could you know we could it would be easier to drive from there i think maybe i, think I'll fly. I don't know yeah <laughs> the um but uh, one of the things that I found too is that it doesn't matter how long you stay away, you know that uh, when you go home, it, pick up you where you left home. off. You just, yeah. yeah, you yeah. pick up immediately where yeah. you left just off. Lift the lid to the freezer, and there it is—the pie. The I, yeah, <laughs> I bet Dawn still has ten years worth of wine laid away oh, yeah. in the cellar there, and Auntie's probably got. And all sorts of desserts <laughs> in deep freeze. <laughs> well, I have two freezers full, and you can't get an envelope in either one of them. <laughs> awesome. Thank you guys so much. All right. Folks, thank you so much for listening. I know there's uh, a million podcasts out there. We appreciate you, uh, you spending your time with us. The... Um, if you're digging the show, if you're enjoying it, if you if these conversations uh, move you, make you laugh, annoy you, piss you off, 
Um, please take a minute to uh, to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, it helps us grow the show and it helps other people find it. Um, if you'd like to hear bonus episodes, song demos, just sort of uh, ranting off the cuff uh, conversations, all sorts of different uh, bonus material, writing advice, uh, personal blog posts and stuff like that. Uh, go to patreon.com slash Mishka Shabali. Uh, we will be having monthly episodes up there with my mom and I answering uh, questions from readers. And there's all kinds of good stuff there. Uh, thank you so much for supporting me.